Hello, my fellow seasoned athletes, and welcome to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Leggett. The Seasoned Athlete Podcast is your home for stories, inspiration, motivation, training tips, and more directly from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age doesn't have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. You can learn more about this podcast at seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, share with everyone you know, and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And now, on with the show. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. Today, I'll be talking with runner, triathlete, and author of Against the Wind, an Iron Woman's race for her family survival, Lee DiPietro. But first, let's take a moment to meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where I get to shine the spotlight on a different athlete each week who is making his or her mark in their chosen sport. These athletes that I feature in this segment come from a varying degree of backgrounds, skill levels, and experience. And hopefully their stories will inspire you to get out there and try something new. Let's get to know this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete, Roller Derby referee, Evelyn Block. My name is Evelyn Block, and I'm a 69-year-old roller derby referee. My derby name is Stevie Fleetwheels because I'm a huge Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac fan. I grew up in a time when sports were only for boys, before Title IX made sports available to girls in school. As a child, I roller skated on the streets of New York City in the days of metal skates and keys, but I completely forgot about skating for at least the next 50 years. When I moved to California, I decided it was time for me to become active. I love the fact that the weather was good all year round as I always loved being outdoors. I considered surfing but felt I wasn't athletic enough and anyway, I hated the cold water. I didn't want to run as I was seeking something that would also lead to making new friends in a social environment. Then one evening, I saw the movie Whip It. That was my aha moment. I searched around to see how I could become involved in roller derby. I joined Beach City's roller derby with the intent of playing. I loved the idea of a full contact sport for women. As we were going through training, I fell and broke my hand. While recovering from my injury, I realized healing is a much slower process as we get older, and the likelihood of injury in derby is pretty high. By the time I got hurt, I was already in love with the sport and I wanted to stay involved but without the constant contact. Someone suggested I try refing. At the time, I didn't realize how complex and challenging refing could be. I started training as a non-skating official and quickly became an on-skates referee. While not as threatening as playing, refereeing requires good skating skills and the ability to keep your eyes on quickly moving fierce players, as well as a complete knowledge of the many, many rules of the game. So now I'm challenged physically and intellectually. I continuously work on my skating skills, work out with a trainer, and try to eat healthy. I've learned to compete only against myself to become the best ref I can be. If I compared myself to the young 20-somethings former hockey player referees, I'd quickly become discouraged. So I don't. As long as I'm getting better and I can do the job, I'm enjoying it. 
I especially love how roller derby refereeing has kept me in touch with such a wide variety of people of all ages, incomes, and occupations. People I would never meet if it wasn't for roller derby. I think the secret to becoming a seasoned athlete is not to compare yourself with anyone else. No matter what you do, there's likely somebody better at it. You're never too old. The reality is I have more time to dedicate to my sport now that my children are grown and my responsibilities are fewer. As long as you keep moving, literally and figuratively, you are a success. I'm Evelyn Block, and I'm a seasoned athlete. If you're over age 40 and participate in a sport at any level, go to seasonedathlete.me slash everyday to find out how you can be featured as an everyday seasoned athlete in an upcoming episode. And now, let's get to know this week's featured guest, marathon runner, triathlete, and author, Lee DiPietro. Hi, Lee. Hi. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Well, I, I would be, I'm hoping I can. Based on what I've learned about you so far, I know you have lots of knowledge to drop. Well, I hope I can share from the many years that I've been, what, over 35, 40 years that I've been competing. I, I hope I can share something. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe you can. So, Lee, you've spent over 30 years in competitive racing. You've run more than 30 marathons, six Ironmans, and countless triathlons and road races. At the age of 50, you won your first major marathon, winning the overall female title at the Marathon of the Palm Beaches. You still compete at a high level. You're still recognized as a top runner and local legend on the roads. In 2015, you successfully published your memoir. It's titled Against the Wind, an Iron Woman's Race for Her Family's Survival, where you tell your story about how your career as a runner and triathlete taught you and your family to face obstacles and life-threatening ordeals that you all thought were beyond your means. Lee, is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? Well, I think, you know, everybody, everybody in life faces things that um, are difficult. And it really wasn't until, um, until we were faced with this, these series of events in 2010 that I write about in my book, that I realized that my life as a, as an athlete really took me in a direction um, and taught me lessons about my life that I never anticipated were going to be life lessons that would become so valuable. You know, we all sort of go on in our daily routines. And you know, I had this passion for running and triathlons. And, you know, little did I know that it was preparing me to face some things in life that I would call upon those strengths that that I learned from training and racing. So, um being uh, the middle daughter of five girls, I was always, you know, sort of the one that was bouncing up and down, trying to get attention and very competitive and wanting to be the best. So um, that sort of drove me as an athlete. And um, boy, that life really was uh, something I'm so grateful for. I, I could imagine. And it's really interesting when you're in the thick of an athletic career or whether it's a hobby or a career, just being in the thick of it, you have no idea the lessons you're learning on the athletic side, what they can do for you outside right. of that, you know, it's, but then it, only when you're called upon to use that, does it really become relevant? Right? Yes. It's, I mean, that's very true. But the, you know, and the interesting thing is too, is uh, what I realized through all of this and in writing the book and dealing with what life had to offer to all of us as a family that not only was I learning these lessons, but my children who either willingly or unwillingly were dragged to all these races and watched me train and, you know, go through all kinds of weather and face obstacles and have good races, bad races. 
they were learning the same life lessons sort of unknowingly as I was just to watch, um, you know, the resilience, the determination. And funnily enough, as, as they were growing up and going through school, you know, I, I remember saying once to my to my son on the soccer field, I think he was in middle school and he came off the field, you know, like many of us do when you're playing a sport and you say, oh, those refs, they were so unfair. They were calling everything. And I said, well, you know, how long did it take you to realize he was going to call everything? And he goes, well, right away. And I said, well, see, there you go. There's something that I've learned in sports is that you can only control how you react to things. You can't control what happens often, but you can control how you react. And so they saw that um, so often, you know, the losses were important for them to see, to see how you turn around and fix it. And it was really an interesting thing watching them learn the lessons too. And, and how they imply them, you know, they're 33 and 29 now, and they, they still sort of uh, apply those same lessons they've learned through sports. Yeah, what a wonderful gift to give them, too. Yeah, I know. Well, sometimes I ask them, I said, was that fun, you guys? <laughs> Maybe not at the time, but I imagine they look back and it's like, now I get it. Yeah. So from here, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests. And that is, what is your age at this moment in time? Well, I just had my 59th birthday. And um, in April, and I do have to actually update you because the the stats that you gave as far as uh, my races have gone were uh, have been I've, I've raced in a few more races than that since you've read that information. And in fact, um, in January, I just ran my 50th marathon down in Miami. So um, I've been uh, I'm still competing pretty, pretty heavily. But uh, at 59, I, I'm still out there trying to get the overall wins every once in a while, which is fun. Well, congratulations on your 50th marathon. That is an amazing stat. And you're at, at 59. It sounds like you are not done. Not done. Not done. <laughs> not even close. We'll get to that in a little bit. I would like to actually go back in time if we could and start from the very beginning. So what did your early athletic life look like? Did you play sports or were you active growing up? Yeah, I, I like I said, I was the middle daughter of, of five. We were five girls born in five years. And my mom was the oldest of nine children. And she was very athletic and, and very competitive in sports. And when we were little, she really encouraged my grandfather, my whole mother's side and my dad was very athletic and they really encouraged us to play a lot of sports. I played, she taught us tennis when we were little. I was on the swim team since I was about, you know, in first grade, I swam on the summer swim team and played on the tennis team in the summer. And in school, I played um, field hockey and basketball and lacrosse. I grew up in Long Island, so lacrosse was big. And I actually continued uh, playing lacrosse through college, um, went to Boston University and played lacrosse there. But uh, I was always very, very active and athletic and um, played tennis, um, a ton of tennis, particularly when I was in, in my um, late teens, early 20s. And when my husband and I were first married, we p played a lot of tennis. And it wasn't really until um, after I had after we moved to New York, I was married to my husband, Lee, at, at just over 22 years old. And we moved to New York and I commuted into New York City uh, for work out from Long Island. And we still played a lot of tennis on the weekends. But on on the weekdays, I didn't have time for that, obviously. And, and every once in a while, I'd get a, a short little run in just to get that, you know, athletic, you know, that endurance fix that I was missing. 
So I, I really didn't start running until uh, just about just before our first son was born when uh, I was 25 when he was born and I started running just about then and um, really fell into the world of running by my sister inviting me to run the last 10 miles of the Boston Marathon when um, I was 27. And uh, I went up there and she she had been running as a bandit. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but uh, back in the days, you could run Boston as an unqualified runner without a number. And you could run at the way back of the pack um, as what they called a bandit. Uh, they didn't throw you off the course. You could run the course just like the other marathoners did, but you couldn't you couldn't start in front of them and get in their way. So I jumped in with her in the last 10 miles and ran the last 10 miles. And I thought that this was the most incredible feeling. I thought, you know, there I am running down Boston. It's packed with people. They're all screaming. And I'm thinking all these people are cheering for me. <laughs> and I just thought it was the most, it was the most, I just got hooked. I said, I got to do this again, but I got to do the whole thing. So I turned around the following September and I ran the New York city marathon as my first race I ever ran. And I just, I, you know, I didn't know there was such a thing as a 5K, 10K. And that's when I sort of discovered that there were other races and I really fell into the world of running when, when I was about 27, 28 years old. So what, what do you think it was about distance running and marathon running in particular that you think excited you so much? Like I said, I was always really competitive. And, you know, when I played lacrosse in college, you know, you'd hear the cheers from the sidelines and it just gets your adrenaline going. And, um, and I just loved that, you know, that adrenaline rush that you got when you were out on the playing fields, you know, shooting a goal or whatever. And it was something that was really, I felt really must've been missing from my life because the minute I got out there and I heard the cheers of the crowds again, I thought this, I, this is what I've been missing. This is, you know, it's just such a thrill to get out there and to put yourself up against something that you think is beyond your means and you can actually do it. Um, and accomplish, you know, set these goals and accomplish what you set out to do. So I think that's really what got me excited about it. And then I started, you know, realizing that, you know, there was a, you could push yourself, you know, these five Ks is like, wow, you know, you could go out and run three miles and it was pretty darn hard, you know, cause you're running faster. I started meeting these people that were racers, you know, we didn't have you know, the ability to Google running or whatever. It was all sort of trial and error and meeting people and finding out about the sport, you know, reading magazines and, and picking people's brains on how they trained. And the more that I improved, the hungrier I got to race even more. You know, it's a very uh, sort of a catching, you know, uh, infectious sport, if you will. One would say addicting, but in a positive way. My mother once said to me, because all my sisters were all sort of competitive um, and she came to visit me once and, and she said, oh, my gosh, your sisters, they're all so compulsive. They're doing this. They're doing that. And she was spending the night. And I was doing triathlons then and I and um, she was sleeping. My husband was away. So she you know, we love to sort of sit, sleep in the same room and talk all night long. And I said, well, mom, you don't mind. You know, I'm going to set the alarm for 430 because I'm going to get up and go for a swim. And she said, you're going to do what? <laughs> I've got to go to this swim class in the morning. She said, oh, no, you're compulsive, too. You don't really know until you're actually in it. You know, it's yeah. it's hard, it's hard to understand. I know that yeah. I, I participate in obstacle racing. That's my current one would say obsession. And and my husband is not as into it as I am. And he's very supportive. But sometimes it's like, really, like more. Yeah. You just you just can't stop yourself, can you? And it's yeah. like, well, yeah. what can I say? 
Yeah. So let's talk about triathlons. At what point did you discover triathlons and what drew you to that sport in particular? Well, my, my family that lived, my mother was from uh, Hamilton, Massachusetts up there. And she, like I said, was the oldest of nine children. One of her younger brothers had run the Boston Marathon every year. And he's the one that got my sister sort of hooked into running the Boston Marathon. And so when I went up to um, run the Boston Marathon with my sister, I stayed with him and after we did uh, a couple of races with him, he we were up skiing in New Hampshire, and he said, "So, um, was wondering if you guys want to maybe come to St. Croix and do this, or come to Bermuda and do this uh, triathlon with us." And he said, "We, you know, a couple of your cousins are going, and you might really like it." Because I, at this point, I had done had be, had become pretty successful in the running locally in New York. I was sort of, the, you know, the girl to beat. And he said, I think you'd really enjoy this thing. And I thought to myself, gosh, I, I've heard of the Ironman, and I really hope he's not asking me to do that because that's just way out there. But um, this was an Olympic distance race in Bermuda. And so I thought, well, I, you know, I used to swim on the summer swim team. I was pretty competitive in that. And I know how to ride a bike. So, yeah, that might be fun. And so he loaned me his bike, and I had about a couple months to train. I think it was he sent the bike down in June. The race was in September. And I heard about a little race in my hometown that was uh, going on about a month before the one in Bermuda. And so I signed up and I went to this little uh, sprint race. So it was a, a half mile swim and a 15 mile bike and a 5K. And I remember going to to the start of this race thinking, God, I really, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing here. So I walked up to this couple and they had a, a towel they had set out next to their bike and a tub to wash their feet. And they had all this stuff laid out. And I looked at them and I thought, what? I didn't know I was supposed to have all that. I don't have any of that. I don't have a towel. I don't have anything. And so I asked them, I said, so how does this whole thing work? And they explained it to me. And I said, OK, well, thanks. Well, I go out and I do this race um, and I find myself winning the entire race. And this couple came up to me at the end and they said, were you pulling my leg? And I said, no, no. And really, honestly, this is my first triathlon I've ever done. And I thought as I'm crossing the finish line, how did this happen that I'm winning it? And boy, do I really like this new sport. So I end up going down to Bermuda and this at the Bermuda race at this time was uh, an international that was like one of the big races. I get down there and here I've got this old clunker of a bike, you know, and a big bike helmet. It looks like, a, you know, the mushroom cap bike, bike helmet on my head. And I think, my God, I'm totally out of my league here. And I go to do this race and uh, had no idea where I finished. All I cared about was finishing. And it's hard, you know, I, it was so, so many people, I, I didn't really know where I was in the race. And um, I found out later that night that I had won the whole amateur division. And so I, my poor husband looked at me, he's like, oh, God, I know where <laughs> this is headed. When you start off and you're just winning races right off the bat, you're yeah. not about to stop, right? Yeah, I'm like, I, I really like this sport. This is really fun. So he ended up giving me a new bike for Christmas. And that was that. And how, how wonderful a gift is that? That's, yeah. you know, it's like, that's just beyond the bike itself. It's like, I support this. Well, he bought one for himself, too. So that was pretty funny. And that's when the following uh, May, my uncle once again said, oh, hey, we're going down to St. Croix to do this race. And we were like, oh, that would be fun. We like St. Croix. And it was a half Ironman, if you can believe it, at that time. What's the half Ironman distance? The half Ironman is a 1.2-mile swim 
a 56 mile bike and a half marathon. So we went down there to do this race and, um, it was brutal cause it was so hot and so hilly, but we both finished it. And that was my husband's first race ever. And from then we just both got really hooked into the triathlon and trying to race as much as we could. And we would do all the races in New Jersey and places that we could drive to, you know, a couple that we would fly to, but mostly that we were, could drive to because it was, you know, it was an expensive sport. Well, yeah, especially when you're talking about transporting a bicycle yeah. to somewhere like St. Croix or Bermuda. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, we had children then too. So my, the, you know, back in when I first started, we had, I think my first race in 1980, you know, we had two children, we had a two-year-old and a six-year-old. So, it was, it was pretty hard to try and juggle everything. And, you know, people say, well, even say to me now, you know, well, how did you have time to do that? And, and I said, well, you know, if, if something is important to you and you really care about it, you figure out how to work it out and how to make the time, you know, you just have to be committed. You have to be extremely organized. I was lucky that my mom lived close by and she would watch the children for for us if we wanted to go for a bike ride. But, you know, it was, it was a lot of juggling. No sort of what they call junk miles. I mean, at, my training was so focused when I would go out and I had two hours to bike. I was going to bike for two hours and use my time as best as I could. Yeah, you had to make the most of every single minute you had available because I imagine you didn't have too many minutes available. It was it was hard, but it was fun, you know, and and, and the races on the weekends were so fun because, you know, the, well, that's what I thought anyway. <laughs> the children. <laughs> We bring the children with us. And, you know, as they got older, you know, even when they were little, because I, I, you know, sort of fell into this world of triathlons and like my running was I felt very gifted in this sport. I, you know, it just happened that I was good at it. And so the race directors were always so willing to sort of help me out with. Would you mind, I would call it say, would you mind if my children worked at the water stops while I did the race? And they're like, oh, of course, you know, that would be great. So. You know, they were very accommodating that way. And I, lo- I really just love and that something I noticed in the book is that I just love that racing was a family affair beyond, you know, you had your husband, you had your children, you had siblings, you know, your mother. Yeah. It's just like the, the extended family really came out and supported it. And it was a great way for you all to be together as well. It was great. My mom was incredible because she she would come to so many races and she'd watch the children while we race. And she just loved being there and cheering for it. And she just gets, she was so excited about it all the time. She was, like I said, she was very competitive and I tease her still to this day because she'll go, how did you, she'll call me and she'll go, how did you do in your race? And I'll say, oh, well, well, I was second mom. She goes, oh, second. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try harder next time. Sorry. You can't, you can't be disappointing your mom. I know she was very funny. I love to tease her about that. So she was a very, she was a very compelling force in my life, if you can imagine. Well, I mean, and I see where you get it from. I see where you and your sisters, you know, you all got it from her. It sounds yeah, like. yeah, exactly. So in 1994, you raced your very first Ironman World Championship race in Kona, Hawaii, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So can you take us back to that experience, what it was like and how you did in that race? Well, actually, that was my first Ironman I ever did in my whole life. I have to say, I love that your first races are always just like the biggest version of yeah like just just go to the world championships you know and I talk to a lot of people it's like I don't know I want to run a race it's like well you can try a 5k and see what that's like but but I've been talking you're not the first person to have stories like this I'm talking to these high level athletes and these highly driven athletes and a thing that 
many of you have in common is that you just go for it. You just go, yeah. and it's like, I want to try this. I'm going to try the biggest version of it and probably win it. Well, it, maybe there's a little bit of naivety there too. So, but it's also boldness. It's, you know, oh, yeah. it's, and I think that's a quality that really helps you. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's one thing too, as I always have said, you know, what do you have to lose? I mean, if you don't try something that you think is beyond your means, if you don't try it, you're never going to know if you can do it. So, of course, there's always a little bit of fear, like you have to respect the race and respect the training. I mean, you have to do your homework because if you don't, you're only hurting yourself. But this race, the Ironman in 1994, when I was um, a racing amateur then, um, you could qualify. I qualified down at a race down in Florida. And they had at that point, they had qualifying qualifying slots in the Olympic in this Olympic race. Um, I'm not sure if everybody knows about Ironman uh, in Kona and the championships, but there are certain races designated as Ironman qualifiers. And they always, these races will have a certain number of slots for a certain number of age groups and professional slots. So at any rate, at this race in, in Tampa, there was one slot for my age group. And I had uh, just an awesome race that day. I, I think I was um, the, maybe the top amateur at that race. And, you know, you don't really know until the results come out. You have a feeling that you might have done well, but, you you know, it's hard to keep track of everybody on, on the course to see where everybody is and, and their age group. Um, so we're sitting in the in the field out there um, waiting for the announcements. And they served beer then at those <laughs> after the races. And my husband had raced and he was sitting and he really quite enjoyed the after race beers and had a few of them in the hot sun. And when they got to my age group that, you know, they were going it along and they'd say to each age group, you know, oh, you won the Ironman slot. Will you take it? And so they get to mine and they say, Lee DiPietro, you won the slot for Ironman Hawaii. Do you want it? And my husband jumps up in the air and says, she'll take it. A little tipsy, right? Well, I mean, he was so excited. Yes. I had never done even a half Ironman at that point. And it was something that I was definitely on my bucket list, but we had small children and I thought, how the heck would I ever have time to train for that? So I looked at him and he looked at me and I'm like, okay, then I guess I'm going to take this slot. And so I, um, the deal was that this was that I had to do a, a half Ironman, complete a half Ironman in order to, um, actually qualify to go. So I ended up doing a half Ironman in Lubbock, Texas. And I think I won my age division there and headed out to Hawaii. And I'll tell you, I had, I had trained hard. I had ridden the, I'd done, I think three 100 mile bike rides. Um, and I'd done my brick work, you know, where you get off the bike and you run. So I'd done like 80 mile rides and then gotten off and run, you know, 15 miles or whatever. So, but never had I done this distance. And here you are in Hawaii with the best of the best of the best. And back then they had, uh, there was 1,500 athletes and it was a mass, uh, it was just a mass start. You didn't have a wave start. So it was terrifying because you get out in the water, it's an in-water start. You get out there, you're treading water. And my whole family was there, of course, my mom, my brother, my sister, my husband, my children, everybody came out. I don't know if they wanted to go to Hawaii as much as they wanted to see me race, but they all came out, which was, which was great. There's a lot of pressure to do well for them. And, and I always you know, to me, it was, I wanted, I wanted to make them proud. I wanted to race for them. And so, um, 
I, the gun goes off and I thought I was going to die on that swim. I remember some, a guy caught his finger in my watch strap and pulled me under. And I thought if I die, if, if I go under out here, is anybody ever going to find me again? It was really terrifying. So anyway, I got through the swim and I couldn't get out of the water fast enough. And the goggles, you know, it was so tight on my face. I'd never, I'd never done a two and a half mile swim, 2.4 mile swim. And so I was so excited to get out of the war, ran to my bike and found myself out on this Queen K highway, which was pretty, I mean, it's really like being on the moon. It's pretty barren out there and the winds are really tough, but you know, you just keep your head down and you break it into pieces. You know, I, I really discovered that if you look at the whole picture of the Ironman, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a 26.2 mile run, you look at that whole picture and you think, holy moly, you know, how am I going to get through that? But you have to break it into doable pieces, pieces that your body and your mind can handle. And you take one step at a time. So, you you know, on the swim, you're a quarter of the way into the swim, a half away into the swim. And with each place that you progress, it inspires you that I can do this. You know, I, I'm going to get through this. And you just have to keep your head and do your own race and not let, you know, that's that's really important. Learn, you know, and you learn, I learned what I had to do to hydrate myself and what I needed for calories to, you know, that's really important too, to keep yourself fueled for this, you know, journey ahead of you. But it all, you know, everything went as planned and I got off the bike and it was like, now, now's my chance to shine because that was my strength really was the running. And I, I just started out, you know, kept my pace, kept my head, um, made sure I drank and I started playing Pac-Man, you know, okay, there's one, there's another one, go get them, go get them, go get them. And with each each person I passed, I was like, oh, God, you know, this is this isn't so bad. And the last 20 miles, I will, you know, I said, OK, come on, Lee, you can do this. You know, water stop to water stop. Each water stop you can walk, but then run in between. And you kind of coach yourself. I still to this day, it's pretty funny. My son um, was filming it. And uh, I one day I, I picked up this DVD, old DVD and I started playing it. And he was so excited that, you know, the filming, you can never see me because it's, you know, at my feet, it's in the air but I can hear the voices and they're all screaming, you know, come on, mom, you got this. And I'm hearing my husband, come on, babe, you know, you're almost there. And I burst into tears every oh. <laughs> when I heard it because it's so emotional, you know, to get through that, to push yourself to that extreme. So I end up going out there doing the world championships, first Ironman ever. And um, I won my age group. And so it was, uh, it was beyond every dream, every imagination. It was just such a thrill that, you know, I just thought, wow, this is, this is something, you know, I thought it was going to be one and done, but then I thought, I, I want to do this again and maybe I can do it better. Yeah. And so it began. And so it began. Yeah. I ended up in my career doing six Ironmans, four in Hawaii and two in Canada. Very nice. And at what point did you decide to go pro and then what factored into that decision? Well, I, I, um, after that race, I won the, um, triathlon federation awarded me the amateur of the year and so um i had a, a coach at that time and he said lee i think you really should consider racing pro and i'm i was what i think i was 36 37 years old then something like that and i said um you know at a time when most people would really be considering retiring you know would i up the ante and i talked to my family i talked to my husband i talked to my children i was like what do you guys think and they're like, yeah, mom, go for it, you know, and my husband was very supportive. And, and I said, you know, if I don't ever give this a try, I'll be really disappointed in myself for not trying. 
So um, I turned pro and boy, did I get my butt kicked in the first pro race. I, I <laughs> it's a whole, whole nother animal, right? Oh, it's a whole nother thing. And you know what? It was good for me because, you know, I, I went down back to that race in Tampa and my mom and my sister actually came to watch. My husband couldn't come because he couldn't come with the kids and stuff. So they came and I was the dead last in the pro division. And I sort of hung my head for a little while. And then I thought, gosh, darn it, I'm going to get better. I'm going to fix this and I'm going to figure out what I, you know, what I need to do. I've got to, you know, get, be better on the, but my running was fine, but at the swimming and biking, I really need to work on to be able to race at that level. So, you know, that's, you know, you gotta, uh, you gotta adjust and analyze and, and figure out how to, you know, how to make yourself better. Yeah. I think that's just, it sounds like that's the way your mind works. You're not the type of person to be defeated, you know, in a bad race. You're, you're the type of person to analyze it and, improve and prove to yourself and possibly prove to the field out there what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I also, I always felt, you know, my husband and my children, my family, they, they gave so much to me to let me do all this that I owed it to them and, and to myself to be the best that you can be. You know, Steve Prefontaine has a famous quote as of to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice a gift. And I really feel that's very true. So if you don't give it everything you have, then you're going to be disappointed in yourself is the way I feel. I agree with that. And I, I think those are powerful words that are important for anyone to hear, really. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about sort of the entirety of your race career. Can you take us back to what you would consider to be your worst or hardest or most difficult race? I think one of my my one of my most disappointing races for me was uh, I had qualified for the Olympic trials in Columbia, South Carolina, and I'd gone down there, trained really hard. I'd run a sub 250 to get to this race and um, I wanted to run, you know, sub 250. You know, here you are in the biggest in the biggest stage for running and it turned out that it, the temperatures rose. It was supposed to be in the 50s, and, and we had really high heat that day. It got up into the low 80s, and my race sort of fell apart. And once again, my family was there, and, I, you know, you really got to dig deep. And I ended up finishing, I think I finished in 252, which is not terrible for a marathon. But for me, it was I was very disappointed having worked so hard. You know, you can't turn around you know, the next weekend and run another one. So I, you know, I sort of regrouped and, and licked my wounds and actually turned around and ran the Boston Marathon in April. The, the uh, Columbia was in February and I turned around in April and ran my fastest marathon I ever ran was a 246.59. So, you know, I, I bounced back, but it was a very disappointing to have trained so hard and be in such a um, high visual place for running to sort of have it flop. What do you think is the most important thing you learned from that moment, from that race and that, that experience? Well, I think that, you know, people have to remember that we're all human, you know, we're not machines and you can do everything right. You can train right. You can eat right. You can sleep right. And you wake up that day and your body says, "Uh uh-uh. It's not happening today. Yeah. You know, I perhaps I went out too fast. Uh, there could have been a lot of things. I tried to keep my, you know, I tried to uh, tell myself, okay, well, you know, you got you got to add at least thirty to forty-five uh, seconds for your pace on this because it's so hot. Um, but I think really what what I learned about myself is that 
the disappointments are important. You know, losing is important because it makes you really analyze and regroup and, you know, come back and try it again and, and hopefully find a way to succeed. So let's talk about your book. It's called Against the Wind, An Iron Woman's Race for Her Family Survival. And in the book, you tell a number of stories about uh, how your husband, who I love that he is also named Lee, uh, <laughs> and your family, they were often by your side when you raced, but it also talks about some of the incredible challenges that you and your family had to face together. And what I really love about this book is just how well it weaves together those stories about your phenomenal racing career. And then it weaves them with your perspective on navigating your way through dealing with life and with loss and with your family's personal battles with devastating illness and injury. Can you talk about how your experience as a runner, a triathlete and competitive athlete gave you the strength to help your family through these seemingly insurmountable challenges? Yeah, well, it's very interesting when you think just when you think you have life by the tail and things turn and um, the unexpected happens. And without giving away too much about the book, um, because it, it, if, if you look the book up and read the, the read about the book, it will tell you that. Uh, my husband was diagnosed with cancer and um, went through, had to go through um, pretty rough uh, chemotherapy and radiation. And it was a time in our lives when um, we were young. He was a he was a triathlete. I was a runner, you know, triathlete. And we did all these things together for years and we're always very healthy. And the first thing you think of is, you know, how can this be happening? Um, and. When we went into uh, to the doctor's office in Johns Hopkins, and and he sort of laid it out what was what was uh, Lee's diagnosis and what we had to face, and he asked us, he said, you know, do you want to know what your chances are? And we both said, absolutely not. And I think that was answers your question is, you know, what is it's it's what your attitude is um, that makes the difference. You can either choose to find a way to get through something that's difficult or you can you can quit and you can give up and and have something predetermined for you. Uh, I've never been that way. You know, give me a challenge and we'll rise to it. And, you know, I realized that all these all the years that my husband had stood by me and supported me and coached me, he was my psychiatrist, my coach, my my friend, my training partner. The tables had turned and now it was going to be my turn to be there for him and to be his coach um, and help him get through this difficult time. And I, it occurred to me that night when I was laying in bed, because the doctor asked me when we went into the office, um, before he told us what Lee's uh, diagnosis was, he said, um, so, you know, I hear you're this iron woman triathlete, you know, uh, tell me about that. And my immediate reaction was I kind of shut down and I thought, wait, we're not here to talk about me. Why is he asking me about me? This is, this is not about me. And when I laid in bed that night, I thought I, it occurred to me, I realized, you know, I know, I know why he asked me that because he was trying to make me remember what it was like when I was, um, when I was training and racing and had to face something that seemed so overwhelming that you have to find a way to get through it one step at a time. You know, you're faced with something that is so beyond what you think you're capable of accomplishing and, how do you get through it? So I think um, my story and against the wind is really tells the story about, you know, you have to believe and your mind is a very powerful tool. Tell yourself you can do something you think you can't 
And it, it, you can, if you, at least you have a chance if you believe that you can. And it applies to sport and it applies to these things that happen in your life and in your family's life. Yeah. I think people don't think about that too much when they think about training for a sport that I, I got to train my body, but you're training your mind oh, as absolutely. well. You're training your, you're training your mind, you're training your spirit. And to see that come into play in your life in such a different and difficult way, but to see your training come into play that way was, I mean, it just made it from my end, such an interesting read. And I imagine from your end, just, you know, the experience of that and having to play into those past experience. And we, you know, we talked about tough races and having what you can learn from tough races, but you really had to call upon that in your life. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, at times too, you know, my husband, as I said, he, you know, we raised, he was, he was a good triathlete too. And, you know, I sort of had to, people would joke about it and said, oh, you, you know, you poor man, you have this tough woman. And he said, you know, thank God for her, because there were times when you know, I made him walk every day because he had to keep his strength up. And he, uh, you know, he went through this really, really harsh chemotherapy and radiation for three months before uh, he was going to have to have the surgery to have this tumor out of his leg, removed from his leg. And, you know, he, at one point it was, it was raining and I, and I, I would sort of be a little bit sneaky about pushing him, you know, just like a coach would, you know, we'd go and we'd take a walk and he'd say, Oh, okay, well we're turning around now. Right. And I go, no, let's just, how about we go to this tree up here a little bit further? How about we go up a little bit there? One more, you know, another five minutes will be good. And he just sort of followed me, you know, I'd say, come on, we can do this a little bit more. And he will tell you now that, you know, thank God that I pushed him like that because he was, he did keep his strength up. I would do everything I could to keep him, his mind positive, because obviously there were days that were really hard. Uh, there was one, at one point, this was pretty funny. We were in the hospital and they had a chart. You could, you'll get a kick out of this. They had a chart on the wall where he went in for, he'd be in um, uh, Hopkins for five days at a time having chemotherapy. And we had to stay within this hallway, but you could take walks around the hallway. So we're taking a walk around the hallway and I look out of the corner of my eye and I see a chart on the wall that has the number of laps that each patient has done. And I looked at the chart and I go, oh, look, honey, we can easily beat this. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I love that. That story was in the book and I really loved that because I think it was like, oh my goodness, competition. Competition. Yes. <laughs> that's like, that's all I needed to know. Here we go. Yeah, and he and he looks at me and he goes, oh no. <laughs> he knew what was up. He knew what was happening. <laughs> yeah. What I love about the book is, you know, these are really dark subjects that you talk about, but mm -hmm. The, the humor that's weaved in, that yeah. you, you were very open, you're very vulnerable, but you were humorous as well. And it's so important when when dealing with something like cancer and just to keep your spirits up and to keep, keep his spirits up, I imagine, was so important. Well, I think laughing is healing, too. You know, you, you need normalcy in your life. You've got it. I mean, there are things that were happened that were so ridiculous that you have to laugh. But, um, you know, yes. I have one thing in our family, my children always laugh at me because if I, if I'll be sitting in a car and someone's walking down the road and trips and fall, I, I'll laugh. You know, <laughs> the candid camera was one of my favorite shows and the boys are like, mom, you're so mean. I said, I'm sorry. I it was funny. I, I hope he wasn't hurt, but it looked funny. Yeah. And if we, if we know he wasn't hurt, then it's definitely funny. Yeah. Then it's funny. If he was hurt, I wouldn't laugh. Of yeah. course. So in the book, you talk about your tough decision to retire from triathlons. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a bit about how that decision came about? 
Well, that was, you know, that was uh, a really tough decision for me to make. And um, at the time, my children, my boys were in high school. And this was my after my sixth Ironman, which was in Penticton, British Columbia. And I had had, you know, I'd, I had sort of discovered as a as an older professional triathlete, you know, I was in my 40s. And I'm racing against, you know, professional women that are in their, you know, 20s and 30s. And so for years, you know, I'd been getting up and, and getting up early and the boys and my husband, you know, we sort of run our, our vacations and about around their school, but also places where I could train. And so everybody uh, was sort of getting a little tired of it and the sacrifices that they made for my racing. And if I had to go off for a weekend to a race, my husband, I was now going by myself quite a bit. And I prom- I kept saying one more year, one more year. And finally, it was like, I just knew that if I asked one more year, he'd hit me over the head with a hammer. So I said, OK, I, this will be my last race. I will go to uh, Penticton, do the Ironman, and I will retire after that. And I was really torn because it was part of who I was, really. And But I knew it was time that everybody had given me their, you know, <sighs> as much as they could. And I said, okay, that's it. I promise this will be the last one. So I went to uh, Ironman Canada and I raced the race. My husband came with me and I'll never forget getting in the car after the race and driving away. I finished in the top 10, which was a great thrill. And we got in the car to drive away and sort of a tear slipped down my cheek. And I thought, this is it. You know, I'm leaving this career that was so great. And people that I've met and places I've gone, I wouldn't have given any of it away, but you know, it was the time to come. Um, but he did agree to let me continue with my running. So I kind of poured everything I had back into to the world of running where I began. And I sort of had a whole second career as a, as a runner. I was, um, you know, one of the top masters in the country and qualified twice for the Olympic trials. So it wasn't like I was missing the competition and I kind of just um, refocused my energies into just the running. I still bike and I still swim because I love the cross training. And I think it's made me a better runner and a stronger runner and mentally a tougher runner. But I do I do miss the triathlons and I do miss the people. But I think at the time it was the right decision. What types of races are you doing now? Oh, I still do them all. I still do. Um, I, like I said, I just did half marathon. I love I mean, the marathon in, in January. I love the half marathon distance. I think. As I'm getting older, you know, I, I still I still run probably at this point, you know, if I'm training for the marathon, I'm probably running close to 80 miles a week, but I still run, you know, somewhere around 50 to 60 miles a week. And I still train, train pretty hard. I still do speed work, which we all hate, but mm-hmm. we have to do. But I, you know, I, I, I did my 50th marathon and I told my boys, I'm like, okay, 50, that's it. That's done. And they all, everybody is in my family has gone, uh-huh. Yeah, surely. They all know something you don't. Yeah. So yeah, no end in sight. Like I, I think we talked about in the very beginning of the interview, right? Right. So what kinds of challenges or perhaps benefits do you find that you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at a high level? Well, uh, you know, my goal this year actually is I'd love to be able to run a 19 minute 5k again. So that's sort of my goal. I've got to really, I've, I've told myself, you know, stop this messing around with, you know, the speed work that comes around. I used to be really disciplined with it. And I, you know, it's just one of those love hate relationships because it's hard on your body. I don't go to the track anymore with a group like I used to do, which you know, is, is it's easier to do the speed work with somebody else. Um, so I just do what, you know, a fart lick on the road kind of a thing. And I do it by time. Um, 
So that's my goal is to try and run a 19 minute 5k again, if I can, before I'm 60. And I'd like to, you know, I'm, I'm seriously, I ran a couple of um, mar- half marathons last year around 133. I would love to, you know, try and get down close to 130. So I set my goals. I think you have to be realistic and set new goals and, you know, uh, understand that I am getting older. I, I have to be careful about changing my shoes and stretching and, and um, taking care of my body because, you know, it is inevitable. I <laughs> I am going to age and things are probably, you know, going to but start falling apart, but hopefully not for a while. I've been very, very, very lucky over the years, um, rarely been injured. So I'm a very efficient runner. So I think that helps with um, avoiding injury. But I am very careful about stretching and um, and changing my shoes and and cross training. I think which makes you make makes you stronger. I agree with that. So basically, to summarize what you're saying, or my understanding of what you're saying is that you want to take care of your body. It's important to take care of your body to listen to your body. But at the same time, age is not a limitation to how high you can aim in regards to your goals. Absolutely. And you know what, Robin, one of the greatest things that I love about this sport and the racing and the running are the people that I meet along the way. I've always meet interesting people and hear their stories and share my stories. And it's, that's a pretty cool part about this sport. Yeah. I think it can be really inspiring to meet people who may be similar to you or may be people that you would think wouldn't necessarily be able to reach a certain level, but absolutely do. And they can inspire you. Yeah. Well, it's, and it's the camaraderie, you know, and that's one thing that I also talk about in my book is that the incredible support from uh, not only my family, but from friends and, and fellow athletes and stuff that, you know, you, you face these things together, you train hard together, you respect each other. And there's an incredible amount of camaraderie, you know, you cheer for each other, even though you're racing against them, you know, you want them to be successful too. And I think that's a pretty good part about the sport too. Yeah. And I've seen it in a number of sports. I think most sports have their own community and it really is. It's, it's, it's a family. It's the friendships that you make because you're, you're all sharing this experience and you want each other to be successful and they want you to be successful. And it just, it makes you all better. And so I, I love that about athletic communities that I've been in as well. And I, and the people I talk to in this podcast, that's a story I'm hearing frequently. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who may be around your age and has entertained the idea of maybe running a marathon or trying a triathlon or maybe just running at all, but may find it intimidating or out of their league? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I started my mom running when she was in her 60s. She was a breast cancer survivor and she used to, she'd come out and watch the, the, watch me race. And she, she grew up in Boston watching the Boston marathon. And so she said to me one day, I'm so fat. Now, my mother's never been fat in her life, except for when she was pregnant with children. But she when she went through cancer, she was bloated. So she she wanted to learn to run. And so I helped her. I started her on a program. And my how I started her and how I would advise people is don't be afraid to try something that you think you can't do because you you, you probably can. If you try, make sure you're healthy. But start with something. You know, I started her on a walk run thing, you know, run for 30 seconds, walk for three minutes, run for 30 seconds, you know, and there are plenty of uh, things online available to, you know, how do I start as a runner? But 
get the right shoes. Oh, that's so important. That's so important. The shoes. A lot of people don't think about that. No, it's really important. Get the right shoes. Go, you know, a lot of these running stores will help you if you go in with your foot the way it is and try shoes and they have treadmills and you can try there and they're great about that. Yeah. But just, just jump in there, you know, don't be afraid. And you can take the race at any pace that you want. That's absolutely, you know, if you're starting at a 5k, you can walk most of it. If you want to, you could, I I have friends, I have never run a marathon. I've run several half marathons. I've never run a marathon and I've always kind of been intimidated about it. And I have a friend, it's like, well, just run a, run a mile, walk a mile. Let's just do it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm starting to move over to that. I'm starting to see the logic in that. And I'm like, okay, maybe I will do my first marathon. You know, Robin, if you've run a half, you're not that far away. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) And the more, and it's so funny because the more people I talk to in the podcast, they're all, you know, it's like, do a triathlon, do a marathon. Like, yeah, sure. It's really inspiring to talk to people who have lived this life and, you know, talking to you where it's like, I wanted to run. So I ran a marathon. I wanted to do a triathlon. So I did an Ironman. Like, you know, you just, you just do it. You you stop thinking about it and you just do it in whatever manner that works for you. Well, you know, the one thing that's always amazing if you watch a race is all the people that run it, you know, you go the different sizes and shapes and ages. and, And if you really watch these people that go by and you think to yourself, okay, I think if all these people can do this, I can do it too. Yeah. And it's an amazing feeling to do something that you didn't think you could do. Yes, it is. So Robin, no excuses. Oh man. You're starting (laughs) to hold, I have someone that's going to keep me accountable. Oh boy. (laughs) Do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey? And in your case, your life journey and your family's journey that you'd like to share with our listeners today? I, I would say, you know, I always say to my children, you know, and I say, you guys, you know, you got to try Try your best and believe in yourself and whatever you do, just don't give up, you know, just keep at it until you reach the goal that you want. Because if you quit, you'll never know. One foot in front of the other, right? Right. And keep moving right. forward. Yeah. I that's think that's right. very good advice. Yeah. And finally, if someone wants to learn more about you or book you as a speaker, which I think you would make a fabulous speaker and people should book you. Or maybe purchase your book, Against the Wind. Where should they go? Okay, well, I have a website, um, www.leedipetro.com, and that's L-E-E-D-I-P-I-E-T-R-O.com. Um, and there's a link to my book there. It is on Amazon. You can contact me. My information is on that. You can also, uh, I'm on Facebook, and Against the Wind is on Facebook. Um, so you can send me a message through Facebook, too. But like I said, my website's probably the easiest way to uh, find out about me. And, and um, there's, like I said, there's a link to the book. So hopefully, I hope everybody will read it and enjoy it and be inspired and um, reach their, their goals and, and uh, not be afraid to do that. Yeah. To my seasoned athletes listening, I can't recommend this book enough. Please pick up Lita Petra's book. It's called Against the Wind, An Iron Woman's Race for Her Family Survival. I just thought it was a beautifully told story of life and of love and of racing and how all of it helps her family get through seemingly insurmountable challenges. I think it's a really relatable story. I think many of us go through some of these challenges. Many of us have cancer in our lives and and other things that may seem devastating and may seem hard you know, possibly impossible to get through. And I just really loved how it weaved the racing stories and the running stories and the triathlon stories and the Ironman stories. 
through this life journey. So do yourself a favor and add that to your reading list. That is my recommendation right there. And Lee, thank you for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you and um, I, I so appreciate you inviting me to be on your show. Oh, I'm so glad that you took the time. And if you contact Lee, she will get back to you. I can, you know, I can testify to that. Uh, so thank you so much. It was a pleasure to read your book and learn about your incredible racing career and life story. And best of luck to you and all your future races. I can't wait to see how you do. Okay, thanks, Robin, and good luck in your marathon. Oh, because I'm doing it, right? Yes, you are. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about seasoned athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.